You're listening to Trucking 101, Surviving Your First Year. We'll talk about safety, managing your money, and real life out on the road. Our group has over 100 years of combined real-world driving experience. You have questions, we've got answers. Hello and welcome to Trucking 101, Surviving Your First Year. My name is Rick and besides me is my wonderful wife, Melissa. Today's show is all about debunking the myth in trucking. We'll talk about the driver shortage, lunch counter, and CB gossip training. Excuse him while he turns his page. (laughs) There we go. Getting miles and a little bit about lease purchase. Ah, the beauties of live radio. Okay, our special guest tonight is Edward Prince. He is an owner-operator at Landstar, also known as a BCO. That's what they call them. Before he became an owner-operator, he was a driver manager, training coordinator, training supervisor at a major carrier, where he was involved in orientation and he also assigned trucks. Edward is the partner for this podcast because he can draw from experience on both sides of the Qualcomm, so to speak. Okay, we're going to bring Ed on right now. Hi, Edward. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Okay, so one of the biggest sources of trucking myths in the uh, one of the biggest sources of trucking myths is the lunch counter. Can you talk about what new drivers need to be aware of in this situation? Yeah, the, the biggest problem is when they when they get into the truck stops and start start talking to all these other uh, drivers out there that really haven't had any office experience or you know managing a business or managing a truck for that matter. And then of course they start talking with all the conspiracy theories of you know what the what the industry or that carrier does to you know get their things done and get the best profits and all that. And it they just other the newer drivers they need to they just need to be more educated on what actually is going on there so that they don't feel so disgruntled when things happen because that's you know things are going to happen it's it's business that's just the way it is right and the same goes for the CB which is basically uh, an electronic lunch counter right exactly and and that's what's going to happen is those uh those guys, they just kind of start go off on tangents, and of course they hear what they hear on the news. And then the biggest thing uh, that you hear out there is, of course, that the uh, the rates are cut because of these giant carriers, and the driver shortage uh, is just uh, feeding the uh, the frenzy of the reason why we have such bad truck drivers or poorly trained truck drivers. And I just think that's just for the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah, that's one of the biggest myths out there that has a, a lot of opinion on it, and nobody really knows what it is, is the driver shortage. So what do you think about the driver shortage? Yeah, the driver shortage, I mean, the the uh, other side of the coin is is it, if we all agree, most drivers agree, it's not necessarily a shortage of drivers, it's a shortage of good drivers. And a lot of the other people on the other side will tell you, well, they're just not taking care of their drivers and the drivers are just not, you know, they're not going to hang around and get nothing done, you know, at a, a carrier. So they're going to quit or get out of the industry. And that, of course that creates a shortage and they just, because they simply say they're not getting treated very well at these major carriers. And I'll just say that that's, that's, the, that's really, really false. Uh, the, uh, the carrier spends a lot of money bringing in these newer drivers and you got to think about the cost it takes to train a driver they 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 keep that I mean they're enduring that cost they they're not going to make money off of training drivers they they want to create good drivers it's just that people come into the business they say you know what I'm not really cut out to do it or I can't do it and it's that's that creates a big problem like that Right. We've talked about this in previous episodes. It's, it's it's tough out here, and that's I think that's a big part of the turnover. I don't think it's really anything that carriers are doing, because obviously they don't want people to quit. It costs them money. 
Yes, that's right. In fact, uh, I've spent most of my career in the office there working with the trainers and the students, trying my hardest to keep drivers from quitting. I mean, it's amazing to me how many people, of course, you know, we can debate this on politics or whatever, but there are people out there that are just not willing to do what's necessary to get a job done. And they're, they're not willing to, you know, they collect a check from, from a job for a short period of time and they go home and then, then, then you never hear from them again. And it's the industry. It's just, that's just nature of the beast. Uh, Whenever I would come in, it come into the play with a, with a relationship between a trainer or a trainee, you know, I want to resolve that, but I'm not going to to uh, purposely try to, you know, I don't upset or or tick a driver off just to get them to to leave the company. I, that's that's because I get penalized for that. As an employee, I have to show my superiors a report on how many drivers come in. And then how many drivers leave in a month? And, and that, of course, that calculates as a turnover. They don't like to see that. They don't like to see drivers, uh, me putting into the system a driver termination, whether it was a voluntary or involuntary. They don't like to see that at all. It, it costs the carrier money. And, and these bigger carriers, what I'm referencing to, is that each terminal, each, each uh, office that has a system in place to train drivers, well, they get graded on how well their each terminal does based off of how many drivers come into that terminal and how many drivers leave out of that terminal. So we don't, I mean, they, it's really, really bad. I mean, there's on the brink of, of uh, driver managers getting fired because their, their driver turnover was too high. It was, that, that's where it is. It's a driver manager will lose their job if, if drivers quit on them too often. Right. And, the entire industry has almost a 100% turnover overall, and you can't blame that completely on the mega carriers because they're a very small part of the industry. I think I was like 3% mega carriers, and this is made up of small carriers. Exactly. The the smaller, uh, in fact, uh, what what you hear a lot of. I have friends that are that are. Uh, smaller carriers i mean they're not they're not like the medium or smaller size they've only got 10 or 15 trucks and they talk about it all the time that they they believe they're paying their drivers very well they you know a lot they have drivers there working making good money and those drivers are happy and they're trying to bring more drivers on to fill the the trucks that they have sitting and when you have 10 trucks and three of them are sitting that's 30 percent of your fleet down you're you're losing money so they're trying to get new drivers in, and it, it's it's amazing that they, there's are, there are drivers that come in that only have a year experience, trying to tell this this fleet owner that has 15, 20 years experience that you know he's not compliant with DOT. The guy with one year experience says, "Oh no, I know DOT, and that's not compliant." Or they're uh, talking there, or they're demanding. They're, you don't have that much experience. You can't demand a, a job that's going to get you home more often that, than you want. You're going to have to go out there and pay your dues. I mean, my, my uncle did it. My dad did it. I did it. You go out there and you pay your dues and you, you, you and that's how you get to where a job's going to say, I value that driver to, to handle my equipment and deliver my freight on time. I'm going to do what's necessary to keep that driver. And, you know, just having a year's experience is, is in the mega carriers, it might be, it might be considered good, but in the smaller carriers, it's, it's nothing to them. They, they need more. Right, so you can't come into this industry just because you think there's, like, this driver shortage, so everybody's just going to bow down and kiss your feet just because you have a little experience. You still have to go and, and pay your dues. Exactly, and, and you know, we, we always talk about accidents. You know, people don't like it have accidents. Accidents cost money. When drivers have accidents, they have to go to these classes. I've, and, and in my experience as a driver manager, I had drivers quit because they backed into a pole and the carrier sent them to not only a video they have to watch online, but then they had to go to a four-hour backing class. And they quit over that because they didn't think that was fair, that all they did was back into a pole. Well, you know, that happens a lot. And, and, and they're, they're for providing this training for you to get you to consider that, to think about it. Okay. Good stuff. All right. So, next, uh, there's a big myth about training out there. 
all know the worst part of your first year in the trucking industry is training. I mean, you don't make any money. you got to be on the truck with a stranger that you don't know, possibly might not even like. So um, some people even feel that they have been given a bad trainer on purpose. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's just like I was talking about before. We, we, we get graded on people quitting. So when drivers quit, it reflects badly on the individual that's running the department or running the program there. The supervisors want to see success and they understand that there's going to be a washout rate because of the fact that a lot of people aren't cut out to do it. But, but that starts getting, I mean, one, one month, my turnover, well, I considered my turnover rate where I brought in, in, in the course of a month, I brought in a hundred drivers. And in that month, 50 of them got terminated out of the system, voluntary or involuntarily. Either they flunked the test or they never did show back up after going home or they just came in and said, it ain't for me, I'm out of here. Those, those three things were the major ones. Now, the problem was is that when I started showing my results as these drivers couldn't pass the test. Well, then I was told, well, we're not going to do anything about these drivers that aren't going to come back because, you know, they're obviously got other problems than, than a job. They don't feel that they want to keep the job. So what can we do to, to get these other drivers? And that's when you start seeing the training lack because of, because of the, uh, forcing the individual, in my case, the training coordinator, to give the guy a second chance at, at sending him back out with a trainer so that we can continue to try to educate that person a little longer, a couple of months, uh, would, would might, it might take. Eventually, they, they might succeed in that way, but the trainer gets frustrated because the trainer felt like they did their job and they come back in and say, listen, I gave all of this person everything that they that they needed to do and, and instructed this person the best way I know how, and this is the result we come up with. They're just not going to cut it. And we, we take those reports, give them to our bosses, and they say, let's, let's go ahead and give them another shot. Since we got all these other guys not coming back, we need to make our turnover go down, so we're going to keep the training going. And then that eventually that's going to result in poor training because then you're going to have trainers that are doing a good job well they're not going to train no more they don't like training if they're not if there is if their opinions and their uh techniques are not being appreciated because we're sending those guys right back out with a different trainer uh just so that we can get them to pass and that that frustrates the whole system and it, it is an, a, a mean system because the it costs money to train a driver and then when you terminate that driver in the system it automatically takes all that money that and flushes it down the toilet. Every every single dollar that you spent to pay that driver, train that driver, and provide that driver with you know hotels or whatever you needed to do to train them, when they when they get terminated or they they quit on their own, it, it flushes all that down the toilet, and that's just something that the, those big carriers just eat all the time, and it it's frustrating to them because of course they have to show that they're making a uh, they have they have to show they're making money because, of course, they've got investors or stockholders or whatever whatever you think they got. Uh, uh, some of them do, some of them don't. And they just have to show that they're making money, and it just frustrates the whole industry, and it's a sad system. Yeah. So uh, we, all, we know that there are bad trainers out there. Not everybody is cut out to be a trainer. Some people do get in it just for the money, but uh, sometimes it's just the student, the, the, uh, the driver trainee. They're just not they're just not cut out for the trucking industry, so they can't right. essentially graduate from training. Exactly, and just like I said, when when a when the good trainers are being when they look at the system and they see that their that that their opinions and techniques are not being appreciated and not being valued, and and they'll bring a guy in and like I, I've only had this guy a week, and he's not willing to listen to me. He's not willing to do anything that I instruct him to do. And, you know, I've, I've been a Class A trainer for four years, and I've been doing everything right. never had a student act like this. This guy's not doing right. And then, of course, we want to discipline that student, but we can't afford that student 
to quit or be fired because it costs money. So, so when we report to our superiors that we have people here that, that aren't obeying the trainer, you know, they're going to say, we'll find them another trainer. That's because we, we can't afford to have that driver leave. And that, that it's, it's a cost. It's all about cost. It has nothing to do with, you know, you know, in my opinion, sometimes I see guys think about these evil big carriers, these mega carriers there. You, you think about, somebody sitting in the corner of, a, of an office rubbing their hands together and laughing because it's like, I'll show them that there's nothing, nothing about that. It's just about trying to run a business and it, and it's, it's in every aspect of the business and training is part of that aspect. And then there is a big cost with it, but right now, as of right now, those mega carriers are the only uh, form in the industry. The only people in the industry that are actually doing something about training. No, nobody else is doing anything else about training. Those big carriers are the only ones right. willing to do it. Yeah, and sometimes there are individual people, not very many, very few. There are individual individual people willing to train. Like, you know, at Landstar, we've been with them for at least six months. They will let you train somebody. But, you know, it's that's, usually somebody that you're going to have on your truck. Right. So it's it's nowhere near the amount of trainees that the mega carriers are moving through. So, yeah, they are the the ones that are taking care of the majority of the training. So, yeah. Um, what about uh, the students who get a bad trainer? Because um, we know they're out there. There are people out there to just get it for the money. What is your advice to the students who get a trainer that they don't feel like is teaching them? Well, the, the – the one thing I will tell you uh, to never do is just jump off the truck on a Saturday or Saturday night or Sunday morning in the middle of nowhere because that has happened before where uh, drivers have jumped off of trucks and just called in and wanted a hotel until Monday so that they could, you know, get get things situated and, and come, you know, things come to blow and all that. But, you know, uh, one of the stories I got told by, by a guy that had been doing the job longer than I have that he had a driver jump off the truck somewhere in Montana and he calls him up and he says, I need a, I need a bus ticket. And he's like, well, where are you at? And he, I forgot what the town, but it was like some little podunk town in Montana. And he said, well, there's a Greyhound sign right here hanging on the gas station. And, uh, so he calls Greyhound and, and says, you know, Hey, I need a, a bus ticket from this place. And he said, Oh, we ain't, we ain't run a bus through there in 15 years. So, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you can't, you gotta watch out. Cause I mean, the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to not communicate your problem and then have it come to blows. And, and then when you call in, you've already to the brink of, of getting off the truck. And, and then you're somewhere where you don't want to be. The best thing to do is, is always stay in contact with the training coordinators or driver managers, you know, you, and you got to be honest. I mean, even the worst thing I've seen is I've seen that, like, cause I've been in a situation even as a trainer on the road, was the student wasn't cutting it and I, I I didn't I wasn't telling the student of course I, I'd just been training for a little over uh, a year and I wasn't communicating my issues with with the uh, student I mean it was that had nothing to do with driving it just happened to do with living you know they weren't wanting to shower when we were able to shower or they weren't they weren't wanting to uh, take take care of their food and, and whatnot they always were were uh, asking, you know, I need to I need to stop and get some food. And I said, well, sometimes you can't stop and get food. That's, you know, things. Those, when I wasn't communicating those issues, then it got to a point where I just, I just had to get back. And I, and I had to go tell that training coordinator, I got to get him off the truck. I got to get him off the truck. But the training coordinator, it's, it's bad for them to want to have to do that because it takes time out of the, the training uh, schedule. When you when the student gets off one truck, it may be a week or two before they get on another truck. In that time, the the training coordinator is supposed to make sure that the student doesn't lose that time. So you, you even as a trainer, you have to communicate to the training coordinator, the driver manager, and if they're not listening, go up the ladder. There's you know find out. You know it's kind of like when and everybody's that that I've known that were ever in the trucking industry was also in the military. And the first things you learned in the military was your chain of command. And when you start driving and you're in that orientation, you want to know the chain of command. You want to know who that is and, and try to get the numbers, try to talk to people, try to, you know, of course, you know, that's some things we never do. It's funny. 
we ask so many questions about so many things in our lives that really have nothing to do with what how we make a living. When we go to the job, we don't ask we don't ask anything. It's like you know, give me my keys and where do I go? That and and when you go into a, a carrier, you immediately want to sit down with those people and you want to know, okay, if you're not here, who do I call? And if they're not here, who do I call? And if they're not here, who do I call? And it's it's always you got you got to know those things and write them down, keep them keep them in some kind of tablet or, or, you know, written down on the phone, you know, cell phones. Now, when I was going through training, I didn't have cell phones and that was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So the key word in, in that situation and and in most situations in trucking is communication. You just need to keep the lines of communication open. So everybody's on the same page. Exactly. And you know, things are going to, things are, things can get heated really quickly out on the road. Just imagine trying to live with someone in a bathroom. It's it's not an easy thing to do. So so when when things kind of go a little sideways, right there, it's like you know. I, my my rule was always, when you're in the bunk, you keep the you keep your shoes in the passenger floorboard. That way, when I, if I stop the truck and you're back there sleeping, and I stop the truck and I get out, if you get out and I don't see you get out, I don't know where you're at. When I get in the truck, I look down and I see them. When the driver, when the student didn't do that, I made it a point to tell them, listen, you need to do that. You need to look. And, of course, in the same situation, once I started sleeping and they were driving, I'd, I'd make sure I'd point them out. Listen, shoes, this is where my shoes are. And, you know, a couple of times, you know, I, I had to say, did you see my shoes? You know, because I, I, it, it, they, it's, a, it's one of those things, a habit that you want to, you know, a lot, a lot, that's what trainers do. They instill good habits to their to their students, and that's just some things that you want to be able to do is is uh, uh, communicate when those habits aren't being created, when those things aren't being done. You just you just need to do it. You know, the driving if the guy's not looking in the mirrors, you know you got to get on him. And why aren't you looking in your mirrors? You can look in your mirrors, and that's what you got to do. You know, if, if they don't if they get tired after four hours of driving, you know what's the matter? You know you got to be able to do this. So. You got to keep communicating, and the student the same way. You know, I don't like you yelling at me. I don't like you stopping at these Burger Kings. I want to be able to stop at a sit-down restaurant. You know, if 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 there's an explanation, fine. If there's not an explanation, then we need to work something out. You know, that's that's just the way things go sometimes. Yeah, the whole idea about training is just to get through it. I mean, you're not going to have the perfect situation on the trainer's truck, but you got to remember that it's your trainer's truck, so you got to follow his or her rules and remember that it's only temporary, even though you don't like uh, what they're doing. Just try to ignore it as much as you can and just try to get through the training process. Um, but if you do come up on a situation that is absolutely impossible for you to manage or deal with, I mean, you you do have the option of getting off the truck, but that does cost you you time and the company time. So you don't you only want to do that as a last resort. Just right, add that, uh, and that's what it's all about. Go ahead. Uh, just to kind of put in perspective what what kind of cost there is involved in training drivers and to, to make a point with it, how many drivers would you say that Swift has just off the top of your head? Uh, they probably got more than uh, 18, 19,000 drivers. Cause I knew it at, uh, in 2000 and that was in 2010, they had 15,000 trucks. Now, of course they've got local drivers, shuttle drivers and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and team drivers and that got that got kind of thing. So I bet you they got anywhere between, you know, a little under twenty thousand. Okay, and then so if if they've got, let's just round it up and say they have twenty thousand drivers. When you're talking about cost, if their turnover rate, and this isn't just all of them, all of them are either right at a hundred percent, some of them are over a hundred percent. That's that Swift has to has to hire. 20,000 drivers per year just to stay even with their with yes. their trucks. It, you know, yes. I mean when you talk about, you know, some guy saying that that they're picking on them and and doing weird things to them, I mean that 
figure alone should let anybody know that that none of these companies are messing around, man. They don't have the money to mess around when they're talking about that that many people, you know, in a one-year period of time. Exactly, and that's exactly that, where that, everybody's. You know, it's 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 they're all in cahoots. They're they're treating us like garbage just so they can make money, and they're losing money. You know, that's a big cost for them to have to hire that many drivers a year. I, you know, I had a, a really intense conversation with uh, one of the terminal managers that, that I was helping assign his students and assign his trucks. And, you know, he's like, you know, I need, I need students. I need, I need to get students. And he, I said, well, you had 30 last week. Well, you know, how many more do you need? He goes, I need 30 more. And he's like, and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, that's how many trucks I got to fill. I said, even, even after I gave you 30, and he's like, yeah, cause they're, I mean, he's, he's constantly recycling because things happen. So you have accidents. Okay. Accidents happen. Those drivers that have severe accidents, they get terminated for accidents. Other drivers, they leave for either a better job or some kind of job that they would prefer, I guess. Others just don't like trucking. And then others, just don't show up and they don't know what happened to them. And, and then, uh, and then you got the ones that just flat out come in and said, I ain't doing this no more. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So the key word in this situation is communication and just get through it because it's only temporary. So, okay. Now another big myth out there that we've all heard is, uh, you mentioned it, uh, just a little bit, in one of your previous answers, a lot of drivers feel that everyone in their company is conspi- sorry is conspiring against them. Is that even possible? Yeah, in those bigger carriers, I think it's completely impossible because some of the departments don't even know who works in those other departments. So, I mean, one of the biggest uh, things that you see is you know when a uh, somebody in the log department, you know, you might have some, you might have had an intense conversation over somebody in the log department or, or in payroll, and next thing you know, you didn't get a good load that week. Uh, or, or one of the biggest ones I think I see all the time is is that they have a run in with like a weekend dispatcher, and the weekend dispatcher, uh, you know, they just they wanted the driver to do something like run a local load or or run a little small load, and then. Say well, I, you know, that's the best I got, you know, and all that. And, and of course, the the driver might have said something, and the next thing you know, the driver manager on Monday says, "Hey, why'd you say that?" And he's like, "I, you know, I, I was just upset. I'm sorry." And then the next thing you know, he's getting bad freight, and he thinks that you know they might have said something to each other. It's, it has nothing to do with it because the driver manager, they're they're in charge of keeping the trucks running. Well, in in my experience. It was always graded on how well the trucks did. You, you, how many, how many miles did it run? And it had nothing to do with how much money the truck made. How much, how many miles did the truck get? The driver gets paid by the mile. The driver manager gets graded on the mile. And it was always you wanted to be better than, you know, you you wanted to be above the ninety percent. They some of them were in the hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen percent range because they had a better fleet of drivers and. You know, when when I was doing it, when I first started it, I was in like the 68, 72 percent range. I just couldn't, I I couldn't get the system. I didn't learn the system to work for the benefit of my drivers that I had working under my board there. So it was really hard. And and a lot of them, they were upset, and they thought that I was I was either not doing what I wanted to do. I was just, I mean, I was still learning. I'd only been doing it for six months. But also they thought that I was working against them because I was jealous or something. I don't know. I, they, they just assumed that people were, were uh, trying to get in on what they had or, or, you know, keep them out on the road because they just didn't like the way they talked on the phone. I don't know. It, it, it's one of the biggest things I, I run in, you know. And, of course, you know, he gets involved as, as a driver becomes an owner-operator. That, that conspiracy gets bigger. Yeah, so somebody's thinking that their driver manager is sitting them on purpose because they're mad at them. That's just ridiculous because the driver manager, uh, the more miles his truck gets, the better off he or she is, right? Exactly. The driver manager wants that truck to run. The driver manager needs the truck to to run miles. They get graded on how well those trucks do. It's not about collecting us. You know, most of them, some, some 
carriers that I've seen, uh, in fact, uh, Swift did try this for a while, is they paid a bonus to the driver manager if the trucks got over a certain mileage uh, for a month. But you, you, you just saw that, that it was kind of like a stockbroker. You had good stockbrokers with the good drivers, and you had so-so stockbrokers with the, with the bad drivers. And, and, you know, nobody, nobody really benefited from it. You didn't see an increase in miles. It was the same drivers, managers that were getting good, good reviews from their trucks running, they were getting all the bonuses and the others weren't getting any bonuses because, uh, it's just, it's the job didn't change for them. So, so it's a salary job, but they get graded on that and they get, and if their trucks are low, I mean, that's, I got pulled in and I, it's kind of like, uh, getting a, uh, letter reprimand. You get reprimanded for, for having a bad month. You know, they tell you, Hey, you need to get those up, you know, and all that. And then, I've seen it also, too, just like I talked about driver managers losing their job over turnover. Driver managers have lost their job over performance as well because uh, the trucks gotta got to go. They, they, they need them to run miles. Just, you know, that's how you make money. So, you know, a lot of times you see driver, you know, I guess one of the other uh, opposite things of that is the driver manager pushing the drivers too hard. And that is that has happened in the past. But, of course, all the automated systems we've got today – you know that that doesn't happen that often because the uh, the bigger carriers are on electronic logs, so the log can't lie, and the driver manager just has to go by what that says. And and there's a there's also a big other thing I I wanted to add into it. I was thinking about is that there's there's a lot of different systems that these carriers use to help the drivers get more miles, to help the trucks get more miles, because after all, it is about making miles, and the driver doesn't communicate their situation to the driver manager then the driver doesn't get good miles because when i was when i was in the office working as a, as a driver manager running a board they started the new system well the system still was kind of using manual input so the driver every morning would have to send in that we were we weren't on electronic logs yet they were had to send in the hours they ran the day before and if they weren't doing that then the system wasn't recommending that driver for a load so the driver would sit so the driver manager or in in swiss case they also had a planner the person's in charge of the area they would both just do whatever they had to do to get through the day not even noticing that the driver had not updated their their information so that they can get a good load and a lot of times the driver would sit just because the system thought that driver needs to get home, so that driver is not going to get a load because there's no loads in the area to get that driver home. And the, the computer would recommend sitting that driver. Well, the information is incorrect. The driver didn't need to get home. So always, just like before, sit down with the driver manager, and you want to know what information do you need from me on a daily or a weekly basis so that I can get good miles. And that there's a lot of automated systems out right now. They, what they called the planner at Swift was the person that was in charge of dispatching the loads on the trucks. They were in charge of Dallas, or, or there's another one in charge of Houston. There's another one in charge of Chicago. They were graded on how often they used the automated system. So if they just planned the loads on the trucks without using the system, then, then they got a bad grade, and they weren't using the, the automated system. So their superiors came to them and said, you need to be using the system more because the system is calculating all the different stuff that, that you don't see, and it's going to be more efficient. So when they use the system more, they look better. And, of course, it, it can be more efficient only if the information is entered correctly. So, again, with communicating, a driver is going to be, you know, if the driver's sitting, it has nothing to do with somebody being mad at them or the world's against them. It's all about the, the type of system that that carrier uses and whether or not they're using some kind of automation. And if their, their stuff isn't correct, then they're not going to get the right kind of load or they're not going to get a load at all. Right. So in these uh, carriers that have the electronic systems, there's nothing personal about assigning loads. It's all 
computerized and automated and nobody's going to make you sit because they're mad at you or because you did something wrong. You just ma- need right. to make sure that you uh, learn the system and you're in proper communication with your driver manager. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not going to say that there's, you know, I mean, there might be an individual. You you may, you know, I, it happened to me where you, you, you're at a terminal or you're at, you're on the phone with this person and you and that person have a disagreement. Well, that person can go in there and fix something and screw things up. And, and that person can do that. But all you got to do is get another per- a different person on the phone and that person can fix that. You know, so it's not like, you know, the, the whole system is, is stacked against you because you had a disagreement with one person. You know, I mean, that's, that's silly. You know, all you got to do is, is know what information is needed. And then that way, when the, uh, when you do get in that situation where somebody messed something up, I mean, you could have, you know, there could have been a computer glitch or you could have uh, said something, you know, you should have, you, you probably said 80 and they put in 20, you know, different things happen. Mistakes are made. So, you know, it's not a, it's not an evil doer. There's no Lex Luthor behind the other end of that phone trying to stop you from getting miles. Uh, yeah. Let's go back and talk about the idea of, everybody in your company being in cahoots against you and how that's not possible. Now, you as a driver manager, you describe yourself and your coworkers as firefighters just trying to get through the day. So go through a, a typical day and the things you had to get through and why conspiring against your drivers is just ridiculous. Why it's so hard. Yeah. And, and yeah. What was that, Rick? Why it's so hard for them to 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 conspire against you. Yeah, it's it's very the the, the one of the biggest things I touched on before is it's very hard uh, because you're in different departments and the departments are stretched out all over the United States or they're stretched out throughout the building and and just as 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 you said we're basically firefighters throughout the day because we come in in the morning and we're already attacked we're already being attacked with mistakes that have been made uh, overnight you know things that that haven't been done or you know, maybe a driver got in, uh, get into an accident, so we need to find out the details on that. And then sometimes we have to, uh, if the if the accident is severe enough, then we have to get all the details of the driver information over to our superior, and they of course relay that to into a conference call that they have to do, and we have to do that right away. And then we have to go through and we have to uh, figure out how many trucks we got sitting that need loads, and how many trucks do we have. Uh, that are going to need loads for that day. So, like, how many loads? How many of them need loads right now? And how, how many of them are going to need loads by the end of the day? Tell the numbers, because what happens is that's the information that gets entered into the automated system. See, it be automatically updated, you know, manually most of the time. Sometimes it's automatic, where the computers already know who needs what. But sometimes, you know, things happen where the driver's not going to be able to deliver that day. Well, guess what? The computer might be recommending that driver for a load to pick up within an hour. The driver calls and says, I can't deliver, you know, until tomorrow because there was an accident and I didn't make the miles. Well, right now, right then and there, we've got to change the information in the system. We have to call the customer service representative to tell them about the load that they that the computer recommended for that driver to get and make sure that, that they get that load covered. And then, then we have to make sure that driver is okay uh you know, to doing what they're doing, because a lot of times we'll come in, driver's supposed to deliver at 6 in the morning. I didn't get there till 7.30. Driver deliver at 6 in the morning. I come in there at 7.30. I pull pull up the driver's truck, and I see that the driver's still 150 miles out. And no, nobody knows where the driver is. Nobody knows, you know, why the driver's not there. Those kind of things we're just doing. I mean, for the first hour and a half, that's what we're doing, is just trying to figure out what went wrong overnight and what do we need to do to fix it right away. And that's that's the stuff we got we got to have. And then and then before we're before we're able to go home, at the end of the day, is basically just making sure that every truck that's going to be unloaded by that by the end of the night, another load available for it. And if there's no other load, we need to put reasons why. We have to tell our superior this driver doesn't have a load because he's in, you know, Laredo and nothing's come across the border yet for the driver to pick up. So there's no way I can get a, a load for that driver. And I have to start working on that driver by, you know, the driver is going to be there that night at let's say eight o'clock. I have to start working on that driver by three 
and communicate to my superiors why this driver didn't have a load yet. And that way, in order for me to be able to go home for the, for the supervisor to release me, I had to, to make sure that all the X's and O's were crossed before that to go home. So other than that, all I'm doing other than that is introducing myself to again, new drivers or new students with new trainers. And this is a driver manager. I'm not even char in charge of assigning students. I'm just making sure that my, the trainers that are on my board are, are matched up with the students that they were supposed to get. And they've got a, a, a nice load that they can go out with and, and kind of take their time and get settled. That's, that's pretty much all I'm doing all day long each, each morning, putting out the problems that happened overnight, and then making sure that there aren't no any other problems going to happen later that night. And then, you know, things are going to happen. And that's the biggest firefighters, I think, are the guys on the weekends and the nights because they have no control over the over getting drivers home or uh, getting drivers paid. All their, all their job is is to make sure that the, that the freight's delivered and that the trucks are moving. That's all their job is. And when things happen – they really have nothing, no control over anything because, you know, people have gone home. So you can't call a, you know, a, a broker or, or a customer service rep, but all you can do is just notate the situation and, and hope for the best. It's all they can do. They have no power. So you have so much as a driver manager, you have so much to deal with on a daily basis and so many people to report with and so many people to check on. You don't even have time to worry about any kind of personal grudge or anything like that. Of course. Yeah, no time at all. And in, in fact, uh, you know, a lot of drivers come in, you know, you do have those drivers that come in and they want, they want to settle this, this problem. And I'm, and I'm like, what problem? What are you talking about? You know, and, and, and a lot of them come in and of course you, you have those guys that are distraught. They, they don't, they don't know what to do because they're not making any money. And, you know, you, those are learning. Those are guys are still learning. And those are the ones that want to communicate. And that's what you have to do is, is you always communicate. The relationship between the driver and driver manager is key. You know, all these carriers are basically running the same kind of freight, the same same kind of uh, stuff, and pay, paying basically the same amount. But the one thing that, that I think ensures success with a driver is having a good relationship with the driver manager. If you don't have that, then move on to another driver manager, or you might have to switch carriers. And that, that's just that's how it is sometimes because you got to find that person that you're going to work with. And, you know, it, it happens a lot. I've seen that happen several times. Right. So once again, it comes back to communication. If you're not getting any miles um, or you're picking up freight that, that you don't think you should be picking up, it's very likely that your driver manager doesn't even know that that's going on with you if you haven't talked to them about it. Right. It does. Because, because honestly, as a driver manager, I'm like I said, I'm putting out the fires all day long, but I'm only I'm only gonna have time to work with the drivers that are persistent in getting good miles. You know, when when you when you let up, when you're out there on the road and you let up with you know either messages or emails or, or phone calls, you know, some driver managers will tell you, don't call me, I don't want you to call me. Use the Qualcomm. I, I blow that Qualcomm up. up. I tell you what, I, I send tons and tons of messages because because I want I want them to know that I'm the one that wants the freight. And you start seeing that, and and you start building relationships with people that aren't even your driver manager. And that's uh, that's how successful drivers work. They, you know, they 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 know they got a driver manager, but they also know that the driver manager is not the only one that can get them some some good miles. And it's all about relationships and of course communication. You, you've got to let them know, you know, for week one, uh, that might just be a bad break. Week two, um, we might start seeing a problem. Week three, no, this ain't going to work. We need to, we need to change something, you know. And a lot of times it was me on the other end as a driver manager telling the driver, listen, you didn't have a good week this week, so we're going to shoot to have a good, a good week next week. Come around. I said, hey, you know, why, why aren't we having a good week here? Let's, let's see what we're doing wrong. And we've come to find out the driver just wasn't willing to you know drive more than so many miles a day he was he was only wanting to drive a, a minimum amount of miles and then he was always uh, wanting to be home every other weekend and I was like listen when you're out on the road in order for you to be to be able to have a good paycheck and to still be home every other weekend if not every every 10 days 
you're gonna you're gonna need to to, to haul the miles, and you're gonna you know when I send you a load, you can't decline it because you think it's too many miles in less time. You know, I'm, I used to be a driver, so I know how many miles it takes to run in a day. I'm not going to tell you 700 miles a day. I think that's silly. But if, if the load is going from, you know, Dallas to El Paso, delivered the next day, I think that's 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 doable. I think most people agree with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep, that's excellent stuff. It's amazing. I mean, you think about these myths and these rumors. Uh, they sound plausible, but when you break them down – from what's actually going on on what I like to call the other side of the Qualcomm, it's it actually makes perfect sense that these rumors are completely, you know, ridiculous. Yeah, they don't make any sense at all when you think about it from both sides. Yeah. Too yeah. many checks and balances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, so we're, and, and uh, too we're, many other things to worry about. It's a, you know, it's about business. You know, and that's the thing is is yeah, sometimes business sucks, but it's just business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay, uh, how about, uh, let's keep going with miles. How about the idea that new drivers get all the miles and the more experienced, higher-paid drivers sit more? Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Because the the newer drivers are the ones that are, I guess the reason why that would be is because the newer drivers are making less, the, the older drivers that have been there longer are making more per mile, so they're not getting as many miles. And, and, you know, just like before, we don't have time to decide who's going to get miles or what. It's a truck there, run the freight. Let's get it done. Because, you know, most of these carriers, these bigger carriers, the only difference between what they sell and what other carriers sell is that they promise on-time delivery. They, all, Most of their customer base is always on-time delivery, must be on-time delivery. So, you know whether or not they wait on a get to get another driver to do it is it's just ridiculous you know they in fact some of the dedicated runs pay like way more than anybody could ever think of making it with a just over the road company driver you know for a bigger carrier so you know you start seeing that that uh they're kind of gotten away from paying the older drivers a lot more just i guess just because of that that rumor and it's all based on distance now. It's based on get paid more if you only drive a 500 mile load. If you paid a 15, if you get a 1500 mile load, then your your rate per mile goes down. And they're trying to, you know, tell drivers, you know, hey, taking these short runs is actually better for you. And that's that's what they're trying to do there. The the, the drivers, of course, they want the nice, easy, long loads where they only have to do a unload or drop and hook, you know, about every three days, and that's that'd be great, but that's just not how you pay the bills out here these days. Yeah, so it goes back to the certain there's a certain amount of hustle involved in this job. You got to you got to be willing to drive the miles. You got to communicate with your driver manager that you are willing to drive the miles and then you'll you'll get the miles. Yeah, and it's and it and, and just like with with trying to hold back, there's not enough time in the day for us to be looking for the newer drivers to pay them less. There's not enough time in the day to do that. You know, the the systems are all automated to, and for, for one thing. And then the other thing is, is that when you throw in the, the driver cost, the driver, like when they, when you look at payroll and you look at like a, an earning statement for a carrier, we used to do that uh, in the driver manager meetings every month. They would bring us an, uh, the, uh, uh, what do you call that? I forgot now. Profit and loss statement from the, for that, for that yeah. office. Yeah. And they bring mm-hmm. it to us, and they show us, and they say, listen, we had this much money spent on services, this much money spent on drivers, this much money. There is no way to know in in the system when they do a report, you know, there's no way to know that the who's getting what load, what drivers are getting, getting paid the most and what drivers are getting paid the less. Because you would have to have some type of really long amount of time, weeks or months, to go through each individual pay stub report and pull up the driver to see what drivers are making more, what drivers are making less, and how can we fix it to make it sure that we make more money. There's just too, there's not enough time in the day to do that. There's too many drivers, just like you said. So much, so much time and money is spent on bringing in drivers that we don't have time to sit there and go through everything to, to, to get every, every little uh, nit penny we can. 
out of those little piddly little things because it, it it just amounts in cents anyway. It's, it has nothing to do with like making millions of dollars. Yeah, Rick, you, I'm sorry, you have something to say, Rick? I was just going to say, uh, it sounds to me like that's a a myth that uh, the older, more experienced drivers who haven't put it together right are using it as an excuse for why they're not making money. As yeah. A, as yeah. A, as a, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's the, a, that, that's the victim card. There's it's nobody else's thing. fault. There's not, it's not their fault. Yeah. 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 Rick had his own little conspiracy when we were owner-operators on a, on a mileage rate, dropping hook. We didn't own our own trailer. He, because we got, we got a lot of heavy loads and we had a lot of live loads and live unloads, he was thinking, well, they're doing, they're doing this to me because I'm an owner-operator. And he never really communicated with his, what we called it, the dispatcher. He never really con- communicated with his uh, dispatcher about uh, the his complaint until it finally got to the point where he was like, this is, i got to talk to So we uh, opened communication with the dispatcher, told him our complaints and what we didn't like. And uh, we ended up going through two dispatchers, and on the third dispatcher, he uh, cared about what we thought and what we wanted. And then he found us, because we told him that we didn't like the live loads, the live unloads, and the heavy stuff, he found us a dedicated lane with Conway. We moved on to the fourth dispatcher, and we stayed on that lane for, what, like three years? Yeah. It was the best lane, yeah. And the only reason we left... Uh, the carrier we were with because we needed to move forward. We wanted to buy our own trailer and stuff like that. But, I mean, it all comes down to communication. We didn't get anything that we wanted until we told our dispatcher what we wanted. Right. Part of that was also... Um, No, go ahead. Part of that was also, uh, you know, I didn't like to make waves with the dispatchers. You know, I was was like, you know, hey, you know, communicating... I want to do the runs. I want the miles, you know, and all this stuff. And so I was just sitting back taking everything they were giving. And that's that's why I thought that they were, you know, because I was an owner-operator. Because one of the questions I had was, why are they selling me this truck? You know, what's in it for them? Why would they want to pay me more more of a piece of the pie just for me buying this truck? You know, and so, you know, when I started getting that, and, and I was getting a lot of them, uh, I didn't really want to complain about it. You know, because I didn't want to make the dispatcher mad. And you thought they were doing it on purpose. Yeah. But they really weren't. You just, yeah. nobody was really paying attention. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I wasn't making my, you know, I wasn't telling them, hey, you know, you're tearing the clutch out of my truck. It's 45,000 pound loads day after day are killing my truck, you know, mechanically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all I had to do is tell them that's what was going on. And he sat back and he looked at it and and said, well... I guess it looks like about half your loads are like that, but you have had a real run of of uh, some heavy loads here for a while, you know. But hey, I'm not trying to, I'm I'm not doing it to you, you know. That's just the way the the, the cookies crumble, you know. But he he started right. watching and, and started taking care of us, you know. Yep. Yeah, I I had the same same issues uh, when I first became a trainer. Uh, they offered a, a dedicated run for me, and they I asked about you know what what all it paid, and they said you know it pays uh, pays the same per mile. You just get all the miles, and of course you're going to run uh, you know 700 miles a day, so, and we need we need trainers because it's not enough for a team. And I said yeah, that sounds doable. And, and he said but you gotta you gotta assist with the unloading. And I said so we get paid to unload, and they said no the the customer won't pay for the unload. I said okay. So I'm doing it for like a week, and then I start meeting other drivers that are doing the same run I'm doing because we meeting at the at the warehouse where we're picking up the trailers. And he's like, he's like, yeah, this is great. You know, you get you get fifty dollars for uh, every stop to unload, and you get paid the extra ten dollars a stop for the extra stop. And then you and you get paid to unload, and then and then you got the miles. I said, I, I said I don't get paid to unload. Oh yeah, it's unload. You get paid to unload because you unload and you get paid. So I let it sit there for another week, and you know I the guy again and i said you guys still getting paid at unload and he goes oh yeah every load every load pays unload so i went to my boss uh or the the driver manager and and uh, of course like i said i was just company driver trainer at the time and uh i said i said you know these other guys say they're getting driver unload he's like well, let me see and he pulls up the other trucks and he sees their he goes and looks at their pay and he says yeah you're right they're getting paid unload he says well i'll fix that real quick 
and he said, called up and he, he made sure that he got the uh, terminal manager's approval to pay me all the loads that I've done for that, for that dedicated. I got paid all the unload. And I said, well, my, that wasn't my intention. I just wanted to see, hey, you know, these guys are getting paid unload. If the customer is not, you said the customer is not paying, so that means that you're paying for it. And he's like, no, no, no. If if they're if he's getting it, you should get it too. So for the next week, we everybody was getting unload, and then I've got back pay for all this other driver unload. And then the next week, of course, that's when it stopped because then the terminal manager he started investigating. He says, yeah, nobody's supposed to get it, so nobody gets it. <laughs> but, oh, but it was, you know. You know, after 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 I communicated the problem I was having, I was I didn't realize that I, I was going to get that money, and that was awesome. But then, of course, you know, you said something, and now everybody lost it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, sometimes that happens. All right, yep. uh, let's talk another quick myth, real real fast here. Now, you used to sign uh, trucks when you worked for Swift. I've heard right. a rumor. Or has heard a rumor that new drivers get all the new trucks and everyone else has to drive the clunkers. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I tell you what, you know, that to me sometimes uh, I'd love to be able, if, if I was in, when I was in charge of assigning trucks, I did not want any new drivers to get new trucks at all because, and, and you know, and that really wasn't, had nothing to do with what I was told that I had to do. That was just my own. When I started with Swift in 1997 and I finished my training, I got the oldest clunker they ever had, and and I had to run that for six months. And I'll tell you what, I was not happy, but I made it work. And so when that happened, you know, so now when, when I'm upgrading students and they, they get, you know, and they're wanting a truck to get assigned to them, I'm not going to give them a new truck because I'm not going to give them something I never got. <laughs> but it, but other than that, it goes down to the luck of the draw. You know, if if you if you see uh, if you're an older driver that's been doing the job for five years and you're running around in a three year old truck and or or a five year old truck for that matter, and then you go to a terminal and you see a driver get out of a truck and he tells you that he just started there last month. It has really has nothing to do with they don't like you. I mean, they might, I don't, you know. I mean, whoever's handing out the trucks might not like you, but that really has nothing to do with you not getting a truck. You know, it, it all it's all luck of the draw. Because just like we talked about with the drivers uh, coming in, coming out, and we need, you know, the the Houston uh, uh, terminal manager, he's, uh, he's probably going to be listening to this probably, and he'll laugh about it. Uh, he... Hmm. He told me, you know, I needed 30 drivers this week. And it's like, well, what happened to the 30 I gave you last week? And he said, well, you know, I, I, I need 30 every week. And I said, but you ain't got that, you know, you're you're not growing in trucks. You're, but he says, no, I'll lose 30 drivers. I need 30 drivers. Well, he's got trucks sitting. He's got to move trucks. He might have 10 brand-new trucks and 10 really old trucks. He's got – he needs 30 – 30 drivers. So when you come in, if you, if you don't, if you, if you're looking for a new truck, if you don't bother the, the person in charge of handing out trucks, whether it be the top dog terminal manager or the fleet manager that's in charge of the driver managers, or just the training coordinator themselves that is in charge of handing out trucks to the students, you got to bug those people, you know, constantly, you know, that's, and that's on top of getting your freight. So you got to not only, you know, bother people to get, but if you're looking for a better truck, you got to constantly bother them about that too, because, it's all about what's sitting and what needs to move. And it just like freight, when the trucks are sitting and I've got a driver here and he's ready to roll, I don't care his experience. I got to get him in a truck. Now, if I have 10 trucks and I've got six of them brand new and I've got four of them that are slightly old and this guy just upgraded to solo status from a student, I'm going to offer him those four. I'm, I'm not going to want to offer him one of those new ones because you know, that that's, that's that's just me, and and but some some people that are in charge of handing out trucks aren't just they don't care they just say here's you know this is your truck now you know and that's that's another thing too uh, that we we found a problem with was was a driver would find any excuse not to take that truck you know if the truck was older but it was DOT compliant it was clean it had a brand new mattress but maybe the you know radio knob was was 
rubbing wrong or wobbly or the the light switch stuck a little bit on the on the bunk or something the drivers would just turn it in for whatever you know whatever reason i mean you know we they said it wasn't the air conditioner wasn't blowing cold well you go out there it's blowing cold it's just not blowing you know like uh reefer you know trailer cold it's not that cold but they they wanted it to be cold and so every truck that they looked at the ac wasn't cold enough and they just didn't want to work so you know what are you going to do you know when people do that so that's what we find in trucks is is it's just a look of the draw it's who wants it and who doesn't want it and who's gonna and, and you see that all the time i had driver managers they knew i had the keys to the trucks they'd say hey my driver's coming in on thursday he's going to be here thursday and he's, he's going to need a new truck he's got a really old truck he's been here a long time he's going to need a new truck i said all right I said, I'll, I got, I'm going to have a few getting worked on, and I got a couple getting cleaned up, so, you know, I'll, I'll have something to show you. He said, okay, Tuesday morning, same guy. My driver's coming in Thursday. You still got those trucks working on? You're going you're gonna to have me some trucks for him to look at, some nice new trucks, newer trucks? And, you know, one time I, when he came in that Thursday, I didn't have a brand-new truck, but I had some newer trucks that he could look at that if he wanted to take those, he could. A couple other times I said, I just got handed the keys to a brand new truck that just got dropped off by a shuttle driver. You know, it's ready to go, you know, and, and it's, it's a luck of the draw. It's whatever's there. Yep. Okay. So our last topic of the podcast tonight is um, about lease purchases. Now we have an entire show planned uh, on lease purchases and we're really going to get down into it. But just real quick, talk about some of the myths or rumors surrounding lease purchases that are just completely false. Well, the biggest one is is that the, what they'll start telling you is, oh, as soon as you get down to those that last six months of making those payments and that truck's almost yours, they're going to start cutting your miles. So that, the, that, that way you'll have to be forced into getting another truck. And like I said before, they work in different departments. The person that's in charge of selling you a truck, especially in these bigger carriers, the person that's in charge of making sure that, that you get a truck bought, paid for or, or they're calling you up and say, hey, listen, you know, I've got some really nice new trucks here if you want to switch into the, one of those, they don't know who your driver manager is or they don't care. Because first off, your driver manager, if they get some kind of silly phone call from a recruiter saying, hey, this guy here, he's about six months away from buying, from buying that truck. Can you cut his miles down so that, so that he want to buy another truck? that driver manager is going to hang up the phone and call him crazy because again, he's getting graded on performance. If, if one of his best drivers starts slacking off because of uh, them wanting him to buy a new truck, then his whole fleet of trucks, his percentages could just drop because he's got a really nice driver. That's that does really good miles. He might even be a trainer and he performs really well. So all of his numbers look good. He, you know, all of his, his, uh, performance numbers look really good and for a, a driver manager just to let let a driver slack, start slacking off or forcing him to slack off because he's trying to get him to buy a new truck or something you know that that's just crazy because next thing you know he's going to have two drivers on his board that were running real good now he's slacking them off so that he can get him to buy new trucks next thing you know he's got three or four and then it's just a spiral next thing you know that driver manager's board you know he's on the brink of being being terminated because his performance levels are really low. So it's all due with performance based on that. And the, you know, when, when everybody thinks, Oh, it's way at the top, you know, the, the VP of the truck sales is calling the VP of the terminal manager and telling him, Hey, we need to sell more trucks. The only thing that would do is if they would change the policies on how owner operators handle things. So like, for instance, I know at Schneider, they have two they have different tiers of owner operators they quit they stopped allowing the outside trucks to come into their like uh choice program where they don't allow if you want to run the board that Schneider provides you got to have one of their own trucks and they and it's not it's not the older ones it's the newer ones you know if, if a driver says hey I've got a nice truck and I want to run for Schneider they said, no, we're not allowing any new ones right now. We're only keep only running with what we have. And that's, you know, that's just a policy change. It's, it's an upfront thing, just like everything else. It's all in the contract. 
if you read the contract, everything that you think that they're screwing you over or conspiring against you, it's actually in the contract. You know, I found out the hard way. I didn't know, of course, you know, this was just my me being educated. I was an owner-operator at Swift. I was paying for fuel with Swift Fuel Card, and I wasn't aware that Swift was actually not paying as much as I was paying for the fuel. I was paying them $200 for whatever, how many fuel I was getting. Well, they weren't paying that much. They were only paying $170, and they were pocketing the difference. And at first, I'm like, well, that's just unfair. I'm, I, you know, that's just not right. But it, but you go into the contract, it's in the contract. It says that, that any fuel discounts, they get to keep. And, and we pay whatever the price of fuel is. So then you just start, you know, figuring that out. And, then, you know, you, you have to speak your mind when you think things are wrong. But if you look in the contract, those things are in the contract. You know, those those things that you don't like that, you know, for instance, the you know, a lot of drivers don't understand fuel tax. And they, they start running as an owner-operator, and next thing you know, they get a thing that says $180 for fuel tax one month. And they're like, that's uncalled for. What is that? That's crazy. You're you're conspiring against me to charge me more for fuel. It's like, no, it's it's in the contract, and it's just that's how things are done. But nobody educated that driver. They sign here and go, you know. <laughs> yep. So a lot of people... Uh, if they actually sat down and read the contract, they probably wouldn't sign it because of uh, it's, most of them are slanted in, in the carrier's favor. Exactly. And, you know, uh, a lot of the things are standard that you just, you know, we, we of course, like I said, that's another show. But, but the conspiracies, it, mostly it's all in the contract. And, and the other things are just flat out impossible just because of the other situations, like I said before. You know, they all, what they always try to do, too, is they tell you that the that the carrier, they don't want to give you good miles as a solo driver because then they tell you, well, you can become a trainer and you can run more miles because they, they want you to be a trainer. Well, we started it in before. It costs money for them to train you to be a trainer. It costs money for them to train these other drivers. Simply to, to give you the stamp of approval and let you run team with a guy so that they can make money. It's just not going to make them much money in the long run. It's not going to happen. They they need the drivers, and they just they can't afford to, to lose drivers just because they wanted to make money off a lease purchase. It's just that's just not you know. It's not how they do it. The lease purchase is is a different animal all its own, separate from all the other stuff that you can do uh, as a as a successful driver for a big carrier. All right, and. Next week, uh, we are going to be doing an entire episode on lease purchases. Uh, Ed is going to be back as a special guest talking about lease purchases, and we'll get a lot deeper into that topic. But uh, we've gone over our hour for tonight, so we are going to have to wrap it up. So thank you very much for coming on the show and giving us the perspective of the uh, of the back office in the carrier. No problem. I appreciate you guys listening. All right, we'll talk to you later. Yep. Bye now. Okay, so uh, that was uh, all the myths that we could come up with, uh, brainstorming between ourselves, and I'm sure there's some more. If you have some other uh, myths that you want to talk about, you can find us on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, search Trucking 101. You'll find our page, and we can talk all about any kind of myths you've heard, and we'll find somebody to help explain it to you. And it'll turn out to be really simple once once it's explained and you get all the details. But that is all for tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I have one more thing to say. I think Ed did a wonderful job. I found this whole thing that... All the stuff he talked about to be very informative. I've never, in the years I've been driving, got that much information about the back working of the trucking companies. So yes. thank you for that, Ed. Yes, thank you very much, Ed. That was fantastic. Okay, we're going to have to sign off, and we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>